Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Before we get into today's episode, I just want to take a minute to talk to you about making authentic friendships. You might remember the founder, Juliana Featherman, from episode 34 of Adventures in Autism. She is an autism sibling who created this amazing interactive web app that enables children ages 13 and up and adults with special needs to make friends based on age, interest, diagnosis, and geographic location. Parents and caregivers can also sign up to connect with other parents and caregivers. For more info or to sign up, head to makingauthenticfriendships.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Adventures in Autism, episode 87. I am Megan Carranza. Thank you so much for coming to listen. If it is your first episode, welcome. So happy to have you. And if you've been listening, thank you so much for coming on back, especially during these crazy times that we are all experiencing. Quarantine life is still in full effect over here. Just keeps getting, you know, pushed <laughs> further and further out. So we are definitely knee deep in quarantine, as I'm sure most of you listening can understand or everyone listening really. Um, I do want to say that today's episode I'm really excited about. I'm talking to an autism dad. My guest Dean and I recorded this episode a couple months back. So no mention of coronavirus in this episode, and it's a little distraction. Um, and I'm really excited about this episode because Dean is from Canada, so he's an international guest. So we get to talk about kind of the differences in you know healthcare in Canada and sort of like the good and the bad. Um, and he's also a single dad, which is really cool because I've had a few single moms on the show, so I've gotten to hear that perspective. But getting to hear the perspective from Dean, you know, as a single father, was really interesting and unique. And Dean is just an awesome dad. We had a great conversation. I really love getting to chat with him and I know you guys will enjoy listening. Um, one little thing, we did have a couple connection issues. Again, this was an international (laughs) recording, so you never really know what's going to happen. Um, everything comes through clearly, but there's like in the beginning, it's a little bit delayed and there's a couple little glitchy spots. So just be aware. Um, but everything that Dean says is awesome and the message that he he's putting out there I think is so important for anyone to hear and especially all the dads out there listening because I appreciate you so very much so I know you guys will enjoy listening to him and without further ado here's my conversation with Dean hi Dean welcome to adventures in autism hi Megan how are you doing good how are you I'm doing pretty good. good. So I'm super excited to talk to you. You and I were just kind of chatting. I was really, really thankful when you had reached out to me as just a listener of the show and wanted to share your story. First of all, because you are a dad and everything, I think that hearing from dads is important in general, but I think you have a little even more unique perspective, which we'll kind of get into. But also, you are an international guest because you are in Canada. And like you and I were just saying, you know, that comes with like its own challenges and, you know, strengths and weaknesses, if you will. 
So yeah. I'm excited to hear about all that. But if you will kind of take us back to the beginning of your journey, I would love to hear. Sure. Uh, so I'll just, I'll give everyone uh, a quick uh, kind of update or catch up. So I have two uh, boys, nine and three. My nine-year-old is diagnosed with ADHD and my three-year-old uh, is diagnosed with ASD or on the autism spectrum. Um, back in 2017, me and my uh, ex-wife or now ex-wife, we uh, separated or divorced or however you want to call it, um, sort of in the summer, I would say. And at that time, my little guy, Charlie, he was just over one. And so he was developing uh, within like he was meeting his milestones. And, you know, they're mainly gross motor um, milestones for babies. So he's walking on time. He was crawling. He was definitely very busy compared to his brother. And then in the in the winter of that year of 2017, he got sick with a couple of ear infections and he had, um, we, I believe he had a chest infection as well. And at the time we didn't really know what was going on. And, and for, for anyone who hasn't been through a divorce, usually the last few months of a marriage are not the best few months of the marriage. So there was a lot of, um, grief and pain with, with just the divorce. And I'll, I will be the first to admit that my son was sort of meeting the milestones as as expected, so I was not worried about his development at the mm-hmm. time. He got really sick around Christmas, and we actually spent Christmas in the hospital um, just with an infection, and we were trying to figure out he was picking at his ears a lot. He did get better, obviously. Like, he got better in the new year, and when he came back from his illness, he had lost his words. So I don't remember exactly how many words he had. But he was pointing at a book, you know, he was saying star and ball. And I remember him trying to say banana and, and you know, really trying. And then he sort of withdrew uh, after he came out of that. And we didn't really know what was going on. We have no, I have no personal experience with autism. So we were just like, well, we'll wait till the kind of the two year checkup and we'll go from there. And I wasn't even thinking about it because I'm like, well, he must just have, you know, he must just be having a sore throat or, or, or processing things kind of quietly. It had been such a long time since my other son was that little. And at the time when my other son was that little, I was really focused. You know, I was the, I was the breadwinner. So I was really focused on work. Um, and we take, so we take my son to the, his two year checkup and his, excuse me, the pediatrician says, she's like, you know, I'm noticing some behaviors. And I'm like, you know, what are you talking about? She's like, well, how does he play with his brother? And I'm like, well, he kind of does. And he kind of doesn't. And she's like, how many words does he have? And I'm like, well, he has, you know, he has a fair bit of words. He just hasn't said them for a while. And then she said, okay. And she was really good. Yeah, like I've heard so many horror stories from your guests on like people telling them, no, it's nothing. He'll catch up or or something like that. And she said, well, I'm going to send I'm going to send you to this course about encouraging language. Um, you I'd like you and, and Charlie's mom to go. 
And she's like, and I wanted him back here in a, in a couple of months after you take this course. And I want to see if language comes out. And she, and she had said, we have to remember that, you know, I may have to send in a query for, for ASD and you have to know, you know, this is a spectrum. We don't know what the future is. And I just looked at her and I'm like, what are you talking about? What is a spectrum? I don't get it. Like this, I was just completely blindsided. Right. And so I went home and of course you Google it and they give you like checklists. And so within, I want to say 48 hours, I'm like, yeah, my son is autistic. Oh, wow. And you, Uh, you figured it out pretty quickly. I just did. Yeah. You just do the three, three or five or, and it's me. So I did like a hundred different checklists at different times. And you have like the ages and stages questionnaires and stuff like that. And so I just, I was like, wow, this, this is hard. And, you know, I had a really hard time with understanding what that meant. And when you're, when you're the parent that does the worrying for the family, it is very isolating. Mm -hmm. Um, So we, you know, we, I phoned her like within a week and I said, we have, there is only one uh, in, in Edmonton where I'm from, there's one clinic that's through the public healthcare system that does the, the diagnosing. So I said, like, can you please put a referral in? And she said, yes, you know, she'll do it within a day or two. And I get mailed a copy of it. In the meantime, um, we fill out, we go to this course about a week later about encouraging language. And I start, and it really was a course that was meant for um, parents that were maybe just either too busy or didn't know better that they weren't necessarily interacting willingly with their mm-hmm. kids. So it was really, it really focused on like limiting screen time. How do you like get certain cognitive toys? Like that was not our life. We had, you know, we're not a, a family that just, you know, immerses our kids in screens. Like we were very outgoing. Um, and so we talked to an SLP at the meeting and I gave her some of the, like I told her a little bit about Charlie and keep in mind, like he's 14 or 15 months at this time. Oh, he's so little. So little, right? Like not, or sorry, sorry. He's over two. Sorry. He's not 50. He's like 25 months. Sorry. I got my, (laughs) got to add 10 to that. He's about 25 months. So he's, he's still fairly little. He's not really, uh, he he regrets around 18 months. Yeah. That's still really to be just over two at that point yeah and and so so we get the referral for the 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 clinic here that's provided through the public system and then we fill out with with that SOP she signs us up for what what is provided as early interventions through our public system and what that was was a lady would come to our house um, at most once a week for about six to eight weeks now, she was not trained in anything specific to autism. She had some handouts that would help us, um, but nothing really, nothing big. And in the meantime, you know, when you're that, that, that vigilant parent, the worry parent, you're up at night at 2 a.m. You're reading articles. You're watching the YouTube videos. You're doing all the things you can possibly do to try and understand what, what this is and what this looks like. Mm-hmm. And so there is a kind of a local Facebook group. And so I said my piece on there and like asked for some information. And it turns out that that clinic to, in order to get a lot of services, 
you need a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Now that, that clinic has a wait period of 12 to 14 months at the Mm -hmm. time, which I don't know much about, you know, um, brain development, but I'm fairly certain like the first few years of a kid's life are really important years. So knowing that I, uh, we, we found a provider that we had to pay ourselves to do a diagnosis to get the services started. Mm -hmm. Now we would have, had we waited another year, we would have had it for free. And there were things that I was doing in the meantime, like, you know, the, I'm sure many of your listeners and you've probably heard of the book more than words. So I just read the book like cover to cover. I just like stayed up. I read the book. I read some Temple Grandin books. I read the early start Denver model. Like I just, I just did all the things you could do. I turned everything else off and I just like immersed myself in this. So uh, in September of that year, Charlie was 28 months. He was officially diagnosed. Okay. Um, so, you know, not quite two and a half and that was really surreal. I knew that the ticket to the services was, was this diagnosis. And in all honesty, I knew that sort of it's diagnosed based on levels. It's the ADOS. Mm -hmm. And I knew like the, the more severe, the, the more likely the services. So in, as weird as it is, you're almost hoping for, you know, the worst case scenario to come out through a diagnosis. Um, as, and, and you know that what today looks like tomorrow doesn't, isn't going to be the same. But um, So then you take your diagnosis and you apply to our local kind of funding, um, uh, funding body or whatever you want to call it. And they provide you with in-home services. And in the meantime, we knew this was autism. So we had contacted a local service provider and we were just paying out of pocket for someone to come to our house and help give us strategies. Um, and just because I couldn't sit and wait yeah. for anything. And, and you know, I'm, I'm reading and I'm going to the library and I'm doing all these things as well. So Charlie's diagnosed. We, you know, we fill the paperwork out, you wait for the approval and we start a little bit more um, consistently consistent interventions with goals in, in December that year when he's two and a half. Is this like when you say intervention, were you doing like ABA? Were you doing OT? Like, yeah, especially in, so uh, I don't know like what the standard is. Yeah. there. So we, so their model um, is based and you had a guest on a little while ago because I've been binge, binge listening to all the podcasts. It the using the certs model. Oh, that, okay. Yeah, the social communication, emotional regulation, and transactional support. And so that's the model that it's based on. There are definitely elements of, of ABA, and there's an, and I've heard the – I like you, Megan, I, I went through the, like, ABA is the best thing ever, and then don't ever do ABA. It's going to wreck your kid and all those other things. So, And in the meantime, like, you're doing this, and I'm like, I'm like you know, I'm figuring this out myself. I don't really – I don't have any friends that, that have gone through this. Um, I happened to have a coworker that I ha- I just had, like he was a, a, re- a report of mine and he had said, he had come into my office like, you know, a few weeks after we had, I had come, come to terms with Charlie having autism. And I, he had said like, hey, I didn't get a lot of sleep. My kid's on the spectrum and he's, 
he's having trouble sleeping and we're trying new medication for his ADHD as well. And, and I'm like, it just, and I, I, I reached out to him offline cause I didn't know, I didn't know what to do. And it, and, and, you know, despite there being a, a large presence uh, with social media, there's also a lot of, uh, I don't know, there's, there's not a lot of agreement at times on, on things it's it's very opinionated and Mm -hmm. right i was in like we can't even agree on whether or not we're going to use high and low functioning right yeah let alone like whether or not we should use aba or if 30 hours is not enough or if it's too much and so i found that very hard and i still actually really struggle with that oh yeah Um, i i feel i was literally just conversation yesterday um with a a listener who is actually on the spectrum herself and then she also has two kids on the spectrum so she has a a really unique perspective on things he was just talking about the you know the kind of infighting within the autistic community and not even just like parents you know fighting with each other about things but also like people who are on the spectrum themselves fighting with parents like there's just a lot yeah a lot of conflict and i guess honestly like i'm i'm a part of many of those groups I am someone who kind of lurks but I don't really post in those groups because of that. like I don't have well I definitely like you know look at what other people are posting to maybe get some info or insight but I I really don't I don't like to be involved with stuff like that so I, I totally get what you're saying because yeah that that and that was what I had found too is like as a you know a parent who has a newly diagnosed child it's like you're looking for you know, just like a sense of community and it can be kind of hard to find that when you're just like seeing so much conflict. Yeah. It, your, your heart, it, it's hard to want to even be a part of that community because it's doesn't feel supportive. No. Um, so my, so, and, and I, I remember like the diagnosis like vividly and, you know, at this point I certainly, you know, you, you, you try and, and grieve sort of in your own way. Um, but I had really not had the opportunity to do it. So I would just, I would just get overwhelmed. The grief would bubble up to the surface. And I remember like a few times I'd take Charlie to the park and he would be very happy and plain. And then, you know, a mom would ask me, Oh, what's he do? How is he, how high can he count? And all these other things. And I'm, you know, I'm like, well, he has, he has no words. And I just break down and I didn't you know, crying in front of a complete stranger out of nowhere. It was, it was very hard, but the diagnosis opened up the services and it was sort of, I think at that point where it, it hit Charlie's mom a little bit harder um, where she sort of re- like at that point she was like, Oh, like this is not, um, this is not just a delay. This is not just, this is something different. And it's, not going to just go away with a little bit of work Mm -hmm. and I'm not judging at all. Like everyone processes things so differently. Um, but you know, before then I was getting a lot of articles from her where it was like, Oh, such and such didn't talk till he was four Mm -hmm. and he's a rocket surgeon. Right. (laughs) Right. Or now he's whatever. And, and that person may very well have, that experience but that doesn't mean it's ours Mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean we shouldn't be doing everything we can for our little guy Mm -hmm. so true so it's hard it is definitely hard and 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 you know um so charlie's two and a half sort of 
We start the services. And at this point, he's in just a typical daycare. Part of the things that I did to uh, when I was in between the diagnosis is we I advocated for what's called supportive child care. So he's in a typical daycare. He's two. But you can see he's not participating. You know, he's spending a lot of his time like at that age, he was very driven by like, you know, he just wanted something soft on his face. He wanted to lay down. He didn't line things up or anything. But from a sensory standpoint, it was very overwhelming for him. And the room full of two year olds running around like lunatics was very loud. So he was violent or anything. He just wanted to kind of be left by himself. So we have here in Canada was called supportive child care. And what that means is that the daycare can hire an extra person to give your little guy one-on-one attention when he's there. Um, but they, they have to hire them and then they fill out some paperwork and the government reimburses them for that extra expense. So the daycare had not heard of that. So I had to sort of spearhead that and get the daycare to talk to a representative from the government. And there was all sorts of sort of forms and check and sheets to fill out in order to get that. We did get that. Now, the, the challenge is that it's just an extra person. This person may or may not be a good fit. They may or may not have experience um, with uh, kids on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. But thankfully, because we were paying out of pocket at that point, we had sent our service agency to the daycare to give this person some pointers. I, I had taught and I would spend some time there and I had sort of taught her what I knew. And, you know, we started like a communication binder and all these things. And she, despite not having any formal special needs training, she really clicked with, with Charlie. Um, it was really something special. Um, and it was, it was nice. And for, for a little bit, you know, we just kind of took, took a breather and Charlie started to develop, you know, I don't want to say like consistently, but it comes in ebbs and flows. Mm-hmm. So at this point, we, we used PEX where Charlie was passing us a picture of the food he wanted because food is really motivating for, for him. Mm-hmm. And so he was passing us a picture um, saying, and then eventually he was like putting the picture on the sentence strip saying more grapes or more crackers or more banana or whatever. Um, there were no words no consistent words at this point from him. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to, I'm going to take a step back from the autism stuff because at this point we, it's sort of the spring. We're not, we're, we're having some, some success with my, my little guy. And then i start saying, okay, like I need to rebuild this relationship with my older son. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he has old enough to know like what a divorce is old enough to understand he's a hypersensitive, like super compassionate guy. And I'm like, I need to start spending time. So with, with getting this diagnosis, we got respite or respite, however you mm-hmm. pronounce it. And I would take, I would have the, the respite come watch my little guy and me and my older guy would go do something and we bonded and, and it was good. And at this point I started to see him interacting differently with his peers. And we would, I would organize a play date and I'd be like, wow, his, his little friends, he's just talking to them differently. He's not picking things up. Like his friends are are saying, like, I want to do this. And he's just so rigid. I don't care what you want to do. I want to do my way. And I'm sure we all have days where we're like that. But it was even with a lot of prompting and scaffolding, there was still that. And so at this point, I'm 
I we talked to the pediatrician who's been good and she's like, well, you know, maybe we're we're dealing with something like that for your older son. And though we we haven't um we haven't gone through a psychoeducational test now for my older son. We did eventually get an ADHD diagnosis for him. Okay. He's not the, the stereotypical, like, hyperactive mm-hmm. kid. And, and I'm not sure how much you know, uh, and I'm sure some of your listeners are, are far more versed than me. There used to be sort of three different versions or, of ADHD, which was hyperactive, inattentive, and oppositional. And I believe with the DSM-5, they've just now narrowed it to two, where it's hyperactive, and inattentive. And, and my son is very much the inattentive. He's, you know, he's just a little spacey. Sometimes he's just forgetful. Like we were losing mitts like every day. And no matter how many times I took the money out of his, out of his, his chore money, he would still lose them the next day and the next day and the next day. He's just not doing it on purpose. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, he's sort of struggling at school. His teacher and him don't really connect very well she's just got a she's a little bit firmer than he's used to plus he's reeling with a divorce and he he has no understanding of like what this autism things this autism thing means for his brother and like I said I never really grieved so my grief would come out kind of spontaneously and usually at the worst possible time Mm -hmm. and so he he's you know as a warrior so this was very hard on him and we eventually like I said, get an ADHD diagnosis. If we diagnosis, we tried some uh, medication, and like I'm happy to report, like he is doing phenomenal. His grades have like pulled a 180. Like I met with the, I was trying to say to the principal because I had met with him a few times, the principal and his teacher when he was in grade three, that I'm not worried about him failing grade three or four. What I'm worried about is his trajectory. Mm-hmm. So I'm worried, sort of grade six you know, and going into middle school where you need a ton of executive functioning to go between classes mm-hmm. that he'll, he's going to be either, he's just not going to succeed in that environment. And, you know, a kid with ADHD has been told so many times that they're, they're not good or they're doing it wrong that I just don't, I just didn't want my kid to have that childhood. So when we talk to the principal, the challenge is in order to get any, any sort of services or resources from the school for that he has to either be you know punching other kids or he has to be so disruptive that he's um he's disrupting the rest of the class or he has to be failing well like i said he wasn't failing he isn't violent he doesn't beat up other kids or or get in fights he just keeps to himself mm-hmm. and so he wasn't he wasn't being screened to get any a big amount of accommodations of course the teacher did what she could and here in Canada, because it's so sort of bureaucratic when they're like, oh, we'll have, you know, we'll have our inclusive learning team take a look. We'll sign out the paperwork or we'll sign up the paperwork today. And it's like, okay, well, when is he coming? Or when is the, you know, like this inclusive learning team or an OT coming? Oh, in about four months. And it's like, well, you know, what can we do today? And I remember talking to the principal at the very end of grade three and I said, like, we're just not going to do this. We're just not going to have this, my little guy, doing grade four what grade three has been like. Like, I just told him, and I was quite firm and maybe a little bit rude, but I'm like, I am not going to have my son have another year like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, he said, well, we, we already got the inclusive learning team in, but they have to go through all of the 
the um, that kids with coding because they have a, a a coding that gets resources. They have to go through those kids. So you know, an OT won't be until December. And I said, okay, well, the good news is I will go bankrupt to help my kids. So I will I will pay for an OT. I will get one in, or I'm going to sit in the class, or whatever that's going to look like because we're just not. We just can't have this do this. I'm not having my son have that childhood. You know, he's already getting over a divorce and what that looks like. His son or his brother being on the spectrum. And like I said, thankfully, things have gone a lot better. We've actually had my oldest son do a psychoeducational. And he he has not screened high enough for anything diagnose, diagnosable other than, other than the ADHD. He has... Um, a well above average intelligence. He just doesn't know how to demonstrate it because it requires a lot of sustained attention, which he's not great at. So if you look at what his, his sort of, I can't remember what the, um, what the test is that they run it, but all of his markers are in the um, high average or above average intelligence. And all of his, his, what you would see is as, markers for like what he can show as his output for intelligence are average or above average. So there's a gap, there's an under underachievement there. We're actually not exactly sure what to do with that. We're meeting with, with the school and a couple of people from now on. Mm. So that's a different world, right? That's a, that's a different. And compared to if, if I didn't have a son on the spectrum, that would very much overwhelm me, but considering I've got my little guy on the spectrum. That's a cakewalk. That's nothing at this point. Yeah, I was talking to my friend yesterday and I was saying how like in so many ways, like autism is a blessing. I mean, in many ways. But what I was meaning, it really does like just put everything into perspective for you. And you start Mm -hmm. to realize like, okay, this is a problem. This is not. This might be a problem. This is not. You know what I mean? Like you just like you... A lot of a lot of things that are just like not that important that you maybe would have like lost sleep over before that just yeah. like okay this is like you said it's a cakewalk. Um, it's it's interesting too how you were saying that because I think like especially for for me and I know a lot of people where it's like when it's your first child who is on the spectrum then it's like you view any additional children or just anybody and anything in life with this like very different lens and. Yeah. Autism really does kind of give you like a new a new set of eyes. So it's interesting that like for you, even though this was your younger son, then it was like you were still viewing your older son with this new lens and and seeing things in a different mm-hmm. way. Because it really does make you wonder if if your if your younger son, you know, didn't end up being on the spectrum and you went through this whole journey with him, like would you have seen those things in your older son? Yeah, it's a very it's it's. It's really interesting and and we haven't even gotten to me, right? And so there's like, you know, I, I my template for for school was, you know, you're allowed you're allowed to n- get Bs, but like no lower than that. And it was if you do bad, like there's something wrong with you. It's not that you're not trying. It's like you just try harder till you get it. And I, you know, I was uh, I was actually pretty good at school until uh, high school where it was very challenging to navigate a lot of the social mm. um, pieces. I, I, I found that very difficult. And then I sort of lost interest because I, 
you know, didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up, if you will. And, you know, when you ask a 15 year old kid, which career path do you want to take and, you know, go to college for another four years and then potentially again for another, and they've actually never really worked um, a 40 hour work week yet. (laughs) It's very hard. So I just, I kind of just froze and I didn't do anything really. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I definitely wouldn't have looked at my, and I wouldn't have had the compassion for my older son until we went through what we did with my younger son, because I would have just done, did what I was taught, which was, you know, tell him to try harder, tell him he knows better, tell him he's doing things wrong. Like that was my model. Right. And I would have just done that and just been harder on him. And, you know, kids do good when they can. And, and he just wasn't in an environment to do good. And, he's doing better this year. It's definitely not the optimal environment. It's an improvement, but it's something to work towards. So getting back to my younger son, sort of the summer of 2018, we have, when you have a, whether it's, it's like autism or down syndrome or, you know, another uh, diagnosis, maybe it's just like a severe, uh, like maybe it's like a big uh, language delay or something you get, we call, you get three years of program unit funding or PUF funding. So if I say PUF, that's what I'm talking about right now. And what that is, that is two years in preschool and one year in kindergarten where essentially your kiddo gets one-on-one attention from an EA. So last September, my Charlie started his first year of PUF and he stayed, the daycare he was at actually has a preschool as well. It's, it's very much uh, learning through play. So we continued with our service provider that was coming and doing the home visits. And we, we upped the hours for him. And he went into, you know, th- uh, he goes five days a week to the preschool where he has a one-on-one education assistant with him that is trained in autism. It's not just some, it's not just a kid that's, you know, like a, a fresh out of school kid or something like that that's got good intentions so that's great yeah and as well we did the home visits and three days a week he was at the daycare full-time we still had you know he would go to the preschool in the morning and then in the afternoon he would get that one-on-one attention from the daycare worker Mm -hmm. who at this point the the one daycare worker the original one had left and we had a new one and you know there was a bit of a learning curve but we kind of got there everyone was doing pretty good and and so we were you know, we're quite hopeful of what September brought. And, you know, over last year, um, some words started coming out spontaneously. Um, And yeah, it's like, it was really sweet to hear his voice again. Like he was at times babbling a lot or just making sounds with his mouth, like making, you know, the different vowel sounds or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then, so the words has started coming out and it was really definitely the, um, the words that we were using with the pecs. So more grapes, more, um, yogurt, more whatever. Um, so the words started coming out as he was using pecs, he would then repeat the words. And so that was nice. That, that really started sort of mid to end of last year. And, you know, now we're, you know, we're halfway through our first year of this, this puff funding. We're now looking at putting Charlie in a 
preschool that uh, a community preschool, he will still get a one-on-one aid through uh, our service agency that, that is specializes in autism. Um, but he has come a long way, but as well as like the development there, there comes other behaviors and challenges. So he's very much exploring the house. He's, <laughs> you know, he's turning all the faucets on and getting himself water, but making a mess doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got, uh, he's essentially got infinite words because he's he has uh, echolalia, if I'm pronouncing that right. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the functional words aren't like the expressive language is is still quite delayed, and and I'm it's not that it's non-existent, but it's very centered in a few isolated pockets, and then the rest of it, his receptive language is strong, but it is his expressive language is still delayed. So some of the behaviors like transitioning from one place to another can be a challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, he is, he is asking to uh, not play with his peers, but play with the toys his peers are playing okay. with. So he'll, yeah. So like he'll see a kid playing with a car and he's very much into, into like hot wheels cars. Mm-hmm. So he'll be like, Asher, I want the car or I want that car or whatever. And he'll, he thinks that once he says it, he just gets permission to do what he wants, right? He's like, look, it took a lot of energy for me to say this, yeah. so I'm just going to do what I want. And then we get a lot of, you know, we have some tantrums and meltdowns over it. And then as well, like, you know, we're, you know, we're working through uh, at this point, like we're, I think we've almost got it mastered. Like we're getting through potty training um, and a lot of, we're trying to find things to really get into his world and really, or, or bring him into our world sort of in pockets in controlled settings. I, I mean, it sounds so. Yeah, he's yeah. Sorry. Go no, ahead. No, I was going to say it. It sounds like you guys are, are doing amazing, especially with him being so young. The fact that you, like you said, have got potty training down to me is a miracle in itself. So <laughs> you guys are yeah. doing awesome. Thank you. It's, it's been hard. That's for sure. And, and I think that, you know, Charlie's going to be four in a few months. I think like his, he can pick up routines fairly well. I just, he just does them because we ask him to, and he wants to just make you happy. Um, but I don't know if he under always, because there's, there's a, such a barrier for communication. You don't always know if he, he knows why he's doing the things he's doing. Mm-hmm. So like in the morning he picks out his clothes and he picks out his shirt and I'm, I'm there. We have a, on the on his tablet, we have uh, um, ChoiceWorks where it, he slides the you know it's like a red green board essentially, mm. and he slides he picks up his shirt and and he says this shirt has a dinosaur or I see a dinosaur on the shirt or something like that or you know if he picks out his underwear he likes to wear his underwear with Spider Man on it <laughs> or something like that, but I don't know if he knows like why do I need to wear underwear and and that will come uh, in time but. Yeah, we have seen a lot of development. It's it's hard when you're in the thick of some of the behaviors mm-hmm. to remember that. I know that's been a big challenge for me, especially as you're doing this. I'm not doing this by myself. When I have the the kids for my time, it is it is very much me. Um, I do have a lot of support from my mom. I'm very close to my mom. I'm a big mama's boy, an only <laughs> child, very spoiled, very privileged. Oh. <laughs> um mom just loved like my mom loves my kids to death she's in the ipp meetings with us 
she's partaking in courses with, with the service agency will send you on courses if you want. So she's there, like she's in the throes of it. And she just has such unconditional love for these kids. I, I, I envy it. I envy how she can just <laughs> love them no matter what type of tantrum or what type of day you've had with them. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we have come a long way. We're looking sort of, like I said, at the next year for Charlie. And then, you know, I'm, I'm mindful of, of what a few years could look like for my older son when, you know, the executive functioning kind of needs to kick up a notch. Mm -hmm. So we're still, you know, I still do some reading. I read, I've read a few ADHD books and, and we talk about it openly with him about how it's, you know, certain things are just going to be harder for him. Um, my older son's actually in a, a social skills uh, uh, class that he takes, like an extracurricular class mm -hmm. um, that we had to advocate our kind of funding body to pay. They pay, I think, 80 or 90% of it. So it's for, there's three different levels. So each level is about 10 sessions. And he goes once a week for an hour and a half and they talk about, you know, some of the nuances of conversation and body language and, you know, personal space and stuff like that. Um, so it's oh. actually quite beneficial and he really likes it. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say that that sounds awesome. I have a, a little success story that I would like to tell you just from listening. Sure. To your, your story with your older son. So my, my younger brother, I think I've mentioned on the, on the show before that he ha was diagnosed with, um, again this was years ago so we just it was just ADD it wasn't even ADHD yeah. um when he was like I think probably six or seven he just turned 30 um and he was like totally the the attentive that you talk about with your son but also the hyperactive like he was very much like all over the place really hard to get his attention he is the baby and the only boy in our family so he's like the prince and we just we doted on him. Yeah, we all we just like carried him like he was a baby till he was like seven. I mean, we he's just he's always been the prince. So when he was when he was diagnosed with ADD, that was like, you know, something for my parents that kind of rocked their world. And they, again, they didn't really kind of know what they were dealing with. And as time went on, not only did did he just start to really like flourish and especially like you were saying like just with like social skills and you know getting getting the right services in place I mean he was able to just like really progress and he did he was on medication um all through like school but then when he got to college yeah. when he graduated high school he he went to college and he kind of said he's like he's like I think I want to you know try to, to come off my meds now that, you know, I'm, I'm out of high school and it wasn't like he had, he was able to make his own schedule, you know, kind of have like a, something that sort of worked for him more. He mm -hmm. has, he has not been on meds since then. And he had a, an awesome, like, you know, college career. He now lives on his own in New York city, like has a full-time job. I mean, like just the, like the, the, the way that he was when he was younger, when you're like, gosh, I don't know, like, what the future is going to look like for my son. We had all those same thoughts about my brother and he's like mm -hmm. feeling it now. So oh, yeah, good for him. I'm just a proud sister. Um, so I just want to share that, but I think it is, it is like how you said, like there's things that you, you would look back on and be like, 
oh my gosh, this, this would have like stressed me out so much, but then it's like, you sort of have like that, that totem pole of like, what's, what's yeah. important. So yeah, of course your, your older son is still very important, but I just wanted to share that because I have a hunch that he is going to be just fine, especially with an awesome advocating dad like you and, and grandma, your mom sounds amazing. Oh yeah. My mom's a big sweetheart. You would, uh, you would like, she, she's just like, just a uh, so much love for the kids. It's it's ridiculous. It's they said I en- I envy just the unconditional love she has and and um and even you know I I said we we decided on medication. It took a little while and what we were trying was a lot of strategies and they just weren't sinking in because it felt like my son just didn't have the capacity to sustain. Um and of course like all kids they're just so fixated on screens. Mm-hmm. Um. And so we had like a lot of talks on the rules of screens and the benefits uh, of taking breaks and limiting them and, and getting good night's sleep and, you know, making sure we're having a good diet and everything. And it was like, once the medication, you know, th- there was a couple of months where he had a like trial and error, but once we found the right dosage, he, it's like the strategies took hold. And, and it's like, you know, when you throw something like throw something at the wall, it was sticking like, 75 to 80 percent of it was sticking versus maybe five percent of it before so it did really allow him and now he's like starting to really come into his own as as a little boy he's he's finding his own interests he's asking for things to be you know extracurricular that he wants because he's succeeding and he had and before like when I would say we're gonna do swim lessons and he would just be like oh another thing for me to not succeed at to not you know and it would be hard. And I, and of course, like you would see him goofing around and I'd be like, you know, pay attention. What are you doing? And it would be, and, and I'm like, do you realize I'm paying like a hundred dollars for this? Like, what are you doing goofing around? Right. And, and now when you don't, not coming from a place of compassion. And now I, I obviously I see, and there's lots of shame with, with that when you do realize. And so now you see like when he's like, I'm like, do you want to do swimming lessons? He's like, yeah, but can we do it this this way or can I do ski lessons first or can I do something else first or and so he's really like been able to sort of advocate and articulate how he's feeling and you know it's come from it's come from a lot of work we've done you know he has like his own little gratitude journal that we talk about every day so he says how he's feeling he tells me a good like a story good or bad you know lots of validating even the negative emotions and now you know there's another sort of thing to navigate where mom and dad are you know attempting to sort of move on and find new partners and stuff like that. And then there's obviously like the different rules at the different houses are sometimes tough for him to navigate. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he's doing very well. And like, I'm so proud of how, of the man he's becoming uh, uh, something that he just out of nowhere, say out of nowhere, he just said to me the other day was, he's like, dad, I want to join a women's rights group. And I'm like, okay, tell me about that. How, like what, what is, what makes you say that? And he's like, you know, two, two people can do the same job and get different pay. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, he tells me, you know, if you're a man, you're likely to get, I can't remember the percentage. I think it's 15 or 20% Mm -hmm. more. He's like, and that's not fair. He's like, we're not better than girls. He's like, look, I get it. I'm a guy. I like that. I might get more money, but that's not fair. (laughs) And I'm just like, I'm like, oh my gosh, you're such like a social justice warrior. I'm so proud of you, oh my right? Gosh, you're my hero. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just like the sweetest thing. And like for him to 
to say that. And, and he's like, what do, what can I do to help? He said, like, what can I do to help? And I'm like, you know, buddy, I am going to look into that. And you and me are going to do what we can. We're very privileged. You know, we're both white males. Like we've got everything stacked in our favor and we need to use our privilege to help those that don't have it or have less of it, if you will. And so, yeah, so it's, it's, it's nice. We have a special bond and I still go at least once a week with him and just do something completely no pressure where we just go have fun together. We might go get a book from the library and go get like some subway, or maybe we go to an indoor playground and bounce on a trampoline or something where it's just me and him. And there's just 100% of my attention on him. That's amazing. Well, the fact that he has, you know, even just like the awareness to, to, to say that about wanting, you know, women's rights, just as mm-hmm. a testament to, to you as a father and all the, the awesome work that you're doing with both your kids. Um, I just, I so appreciate you, you sharing your story. And I'm, I, I mean, I'm blown away when I get to talk to any parent, you know, mom or dad, anyone who's just like, it's so like diligent and just so there for their kid. And I can just tell that you are, you're that way with both your boys, which I, I think is honestly, like it should be the standard for any parent. It isn't always. So I, it just makes me really happy when I hear that. Well, thank you. I know, um, I know I've had a little bit of, I've definitely struggled with, with the self-care piece at times and, and having that feel like I'm being too selfish. Um, so my, my self-care is I like to spend my time in the gym. I like, like the feeling of, you know, having a good workout and everything like that. So I know that when I do take my time and I have either my mom watch the kids or like um, one of the respite workers or something so I can get that workout in. Uh, I do have, I still struggle with the guilt with it. So well, but thank you very much. Self-care is, is so, so important for any parent, any person, but especially for special needs parents, because we definitely have a lot on our plates. So I know I, yeah. I have the same struggles with that, that guilt and feeling like it's like an indulgence to kind of have time away. Yeah. Um, but it, it definitely, it should not be that way. Um, well, Dean, I've had such a great time chatting with you. Do you want to share where people can connect with you if they want to reach out? Sure. So uh, I just, uh, I don't frequent Facebook very much, but I just started a Instagram um, profile for my kids. Oh, awesome. And and my, so I actually, I, I don't know if I tagged you or if I liked one of your things, I can't remember, but it's called accepting a different path. Okay. Um, and so you can find me there and you'll see, I've only got, I, I've got, uh, two posts now. So, uh, better than I had zero last week. So we're, <laughs> we're heading in the right direction. Um, yeah, it would probably be the easiest place to, to connect. Perfect. With me. I will, I'll tag you there when this episode comes out. Um, well again, Dean, thank you so much for just coming on and sharing your story and for, for being a, such a great listener to the podcast. I really appreciate that. Um, and it sounds like you and your boys are, just killing it. So just keep on keeping on. Well, thank you so much. All right. Take care. Okay. Take care, Megan. Bye. 
For you, the listeners of Adventures in Autism podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I often get asked for book recommendations related to autism, and one that I always go back to is called The Out of Sync Child by Carol Kranowitz, and it was actually recommended to me by a friend who is also an OT, and I read this book years ago before Logan was even diagnosed. It's not necessarily just for autism. It also goes into like sensory processing disorder or ADHD, but it's just very valuable information and a really great resource that I still pull from today, even though I read it years ago. So that's a really good one. Sometimes just to get my mind off things, I also just enjoy good old chiclet. (laughs) I love anything by Emily Giffen, like something borrowed or something blue, and those are available on Audible as well, but you can pick from any of their titles. So to download Download your free audiobook today. Go to audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. All one word. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism for your free audiobook. Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Dean. Isn't he just a great guy? I, I love hearing from the dads because I feel like so often in this community, we hear from the autism moms, which obviously, you know, I love you guys. (laughs) You're my people. Um, but I think the dads are so important and I, I just really value getting their perspective and their opinion on things because, you know, we all kind of look at things a little bit different and process things different. Um, but it's really valuable to, to hear each other's stories and just all the different perspectives. So thanks again to Dean for coming on the pod. If you are interested in being a guest, I would love to have you. If you would email me at adventures in autism, 2018 at yahoo.com. Maybe give me a little bit of your backstory, what you want to talk about. That would be awesome. I would love to hear from you. If you want to connect with me on social media, you can find me at face on Facebook at adventures and autism podcast or on Instagram at Adventures in Autism Pod. Um, or like I said, email me, message me. Love to hear from you guys, especially right now during quarantine. I'm bored and I need human interaction. <laughs> so message me. Let me know what you're up to. If you want to be a guest, reach out. If you are enjoying the show and you would be so kind to take a moment to leave a review, especially those on Apple Podcast. They really, really help people to find the show. And honestly, they just warm my heart and make me so happy. <laughs> Every time I read a new review, I'm just I'm just so happy and smiling from ear to ear. So that is all for today. And again, thank you so much for listening. I hope you're all staying safe and healthy. And honestly, I'm just thinking about all of you and hoping that this is all over soon. Because I'm not going to lie, I'm getting getting real tired of this. <laughs> this quarantine life. But that is all for now. And until next time, take care.